Ahoy, it's your boy, and welcome to episode 25 of the podcast. This is M, and we are one quarter of the way to our uh, first goal or short-term goal or whatever you want to call it of doing 100 episodes. So, yay, episode 25, woohoo! Uh, thanks for everyone who's listened to the podcast so far, who listened, uh, listens to it on a weekly basis. Excuse me, sorry. Dude, I'm sniffling it up. You know, coronavirus made its way to the Bay Area, to the San Francisco Bay Area, so it's, uh, you know, um, I don't know, we'll probably talk about that in a second, but the point is, is if you want to subscribe to the podcast, you can, uh, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, all the good spots, and if you want to connect with our socials, you can at thisismpod, you can shoot us an email at thisismpod at gmail.com, and uh, check out... um, the most recent playlist of all my original music from 2019 called Gentleman Caller. Just search up M, the heir apparent. That's the letter M, the H-E-I-R apparent on Spotify and check out my latest playlist, Gentleman Caller, which is featured on the profile. That's all my original music from 2019. Um, yes, so the coronavirus has made its way to the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, I think there's been... I think, at least at the time that I'm recording this, there was certainly one death in Seattle uh, from somebody with coronavirus. And I think there is dozens of cases in Sarah Clara, Santa Clara County um, near the Bay Area also. And I think most recently, someone in Berkeley, California uh, has the coronavirus. So, um, you know, my work is talking about a contingency plan. If there's a full-on full on outbreak, uh, how can people work remotely, et cetera, et cetera. You know, maybe, maybe I'm naive, you know, when it comes to politics or a lot of world events, people are running around like chickens with their heads cut off. I'm not concerned about it. Um, you know, we have the Democratic, the Democratic, um, we have the primaries, the primary election going on right now. Um, ballots were due yesterday. So today's the fourth. I think ballots, no, no, today is... Uh, what is today? Today is the, sorry, today is the 5th, so two days ago, um, uh, everyone voted, and unfortunately it looks like Joe Biden is in the lead, so your boy voted for Bernie Sanders, um, so if you want to crucify me for that, you're welcome to, but, uh, I did. Whew, and, uh, but, uh, we all woke up the next morning and saw that Joe Biden was leading, which was fucking insane, because Bernie Sanders was fucking, has been running a marathon for the last year and a half, it feels like. Joe Biden, comparatively, seems like he's done absolutely goddamn nothing, and for whatever reason, he's uh, leading in the primary. So, it'll probably be Joe Biden on the ticket, but, um, you know, I don't know. Not that I'm invested in politics anyway, but you begin to sympathize with people who are lose, lose hope. First of all, I mean, I have a thousand thoughts about this, but do I really know anything? No, I just, I just fucking hear shit or read headlines or, you know, uh, I just sort of hear what's floating around in the ether. But apparently the young, the, the, the horde of young voters that everyone thought was going to come out and vote, surprisingly, did not. Uh, you know, for all the shrill vocal progressives out there who talk about dismantling the system, the one thing young voters can't seem to fucking do is actually do something. Uh, that makes a difference. So you have a lot of young people who are eager to chain themselves to radiators or yell at people on Twitter, but they're not going to come out and vote. So, um, you know, if I'm talking about you, you're probably sitting there with your arms folded calling me a boomer. But um, look, that seems to be the case. So uh, I don't know why people didn't come out and vote for Bernie Sanders. Um, And who knows, maybe I'm living in my Bay Area bubble where... You know, I think most of the people out here definitely either support Sanders or Warren, uh, who dropped out this morning. But, um, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. So it looks like we're going to have Joe Biden, who uh, I was talking to my girlfriend about. It seems like a fucking golf club resort uh, dad. So, you know, we've talked about the pristine sneaker life on this podcast. Joe Biden is like, uh, he's like uh, the perfect totem of the pristine sneaker life. Um, but, uh, anyway, I don't have any thoughts about politics, honestly, but when it comes to the coronavirus, or I guess I was trying to say, you know, people are freaking out about the democratic, uh, the primaries, but, um, uh, 
you know, people are also freaking out about the coronavirus. And if your life is anything like mine, everywhere I go, every public place I'm in, I overhear people talking and they're either talking about the primaries or they're talking about the coronavirus. And I was thinking about it because I went to my girlfriend's place last, place last night and we went to the grocery store very quickly before they closed to get what we needed to make dinner. And, um, you know, we were talking about coronavirus, we were talking about the primaries and I was just thinking, God, I'd be so embarrassed if anyone overheard our conversation because every everywhere I go, I hear someone talking about it and I just roll my eyes and I go, Jesus fucking Christ. You literally can't get away from it, you know? And it's just like people bloviate and pontificate about these things as if their singular opinion makes a goddamn bit of difference. You know, when it comes to the primaries, everybody's posting these long-winded posts on Facebook about their reasons for endorsing whoever the fuck they endorse and why and what led them to that decision and, the, you know, weighing the pros and cons for each candidate. And it's just like, Jesus Christ, man, who do you think you're convincing? For some reason, I go back to this idea, like, the worst part about social media is everyone feels accountable to everybody, you know, and they need to, like, in a way, it's because, like, we all know, but don't necessarily talk about it. There's so much social currency in whatever position you take on a political issue or a social justice issue. And the thing about elections is you do it in private. <laughs> you know, you either fill in your mail-in ballot like I do. Um, you go to your polling place and do it with a bunch of strangers, but there's no currency in that. Do you know what I mean? You can't uh, broadcast that to people. So it's like, if you want to get the social currency of your you know, political stance or whatever it is, you have to talk about it. You have to get on the air horn and tell everybody else about it. I mean, when I was a kid, it was rude to talk about who you were voting for. Do you know what I mean? And I think, you know, a lot of this gets, you know, everybody talks about how important it is, you know, and we can't stay silent and this election is too important. I've literally heard that about every single election since I've been able to vote in my life. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, I remember when George Bush was going up against John Kerry, I think t maybe, t maybe twice, I don't remember. Um, but that was talked about as if the fate of the, of the free world hinged on that election. Barack Obama, both times people talked about it as if the fate of the free world hinged on that election. Um, the Hillary Clinton, uh, Donald Trump, uh, election, people act like the fate of the free world hinged on that. And now people are talking about as if getting Trump out of office, the fate of the free world hinges on. And I'm not saying that it doesn't like, you know, people talked about George Bush as if he was the devil incarnate. And at the time, you would have thought the world was fucking ending, you know, and there's no doubt Donald Trump is exponentially worse, you know, like you saw Bush and you thought, oh, man, it can't really get worse than this, can it? And then you see Trump and you're like, holy shit, we have a professional wrestler, someone with the personality of a professional wrestler as a president. And you're just like, I, I never thought it would ever come to this. But um, but uh, but here we are. And of course, we're disappointed because now Joe Biden is leading and you're like, what the fuck? All I heard was people making fun of that guy. But I, I guess it just goes, I mean, we, nobody thought Trump would win either. So, you know, for everyone's bloviating and broadcasting and writing on social media, I guess the truth is nobody knows what the fuck they're talking about. So, um, and yes, I, I think what I'm actually driving at is in equal measure, people are talking about coronavirus, you know? And it's just like, whatever. I was telling my girlfriend, and this is, this, you know, my therapist wasn't as, uh, didn't find it as humorous or, but I was telling my girlfriend over dinner the other day, I was like, I want coronavirus. I want it now. Give me coronavirus. Because the sooner I get it, it won't, it, it almost certainly won't kill me. You know, and I'm not saying that it can't kill me. But if I was a betting man, if I had to put money on it, you, it'd be a, a pretty safe bet that it wouldn't kill me. You know, at worst, what, I have a 96% chance of surviving? I would take it. And I'd rather get coronavirus now when it's just sort of starting than just sort of wait my turn, you know? I was saying it was like when I used to play open mics. The worst part is if you were late in the show for signups, you know? Like if you got there and you had to sign up in like the 32nd slot or whatever, you basically just had to sit there the whole night stewing and marinating in your own nervous juices waiting for your turn to go when really what you want is to just fucking go first and get it over with 
Do you know what I mean? And so that's like exactly what I want with coronavirus. While everyone else is freaking out, washing their hands and uh, bathing in Purell and not touching their face for the next, who knows, year or two years or whatever the fuck, I just want to get it. Do you know? And I was saying, if you got coronavirus, dude, that's like a fucking golden ticket. Do you know what I'm saying? It almost certainly won't kill you unless you already have a compromised immune system or whatever, or a respiratory system or whatever the fuck. But it's like, I remember when I first moved out to the Bay Area in 2007. I mean, within a year or two, we had the recession. And I'm not saying that people weren't adversely affected by it, you know? Some people were. Some businesses were. Many, many businesses were. Do you know what I'm saying? But there were so many people who you knew were just kind of not doing well anyway. And then they had the perfect fucking excuse. You know? Like, these were people who just didn't have a lot of hustle. And maybe they lost their job and they weren't super enthusiastic about finding another one. And now they had the perfect fucking excuse. Oh, well, you know, this recession, man, can't find work or can't make money, et cetera, et cetera. That's what the coronavirus could be for me. I mean, your boy's going to school. And I think on the last podcast, I was talking about my tests and which I, I hope to get back to. But it's like, I have more homework this semester than ever. I got so much shit going on, man. And having to work on top of it, it's like my days a lot of times are pretty wall to wall. You know, that's why I love doing this podcast. When it comes up and it's it's recording day, I just fucking go, yes. I wake up, I take my girlfriend to work, I come back to my place, you know, maybe take a little shao shao, do some homework. And then when it's like a couple hours before work, I go, all right, man, let's do this. Pour myself a cup of water, sit down. Dude, this is my time to talk about whatever the fuck I want to. Do you know what I mean? And that's important. And uh, so, uh, yeah, I enjoy it. But uh, how did this relate? Oh, yeah. So basically, your boy's got a lot of shit going on. And if I could just wipe the slate clean, like if I could just call into work and be, oh, yeah, guys, just not got a little scratch in my throat. I think I might have the fucking covid I think I came down with a case of COVID-19. Uh, I, think, I think I'd probably be better Probably better if I stay home. And they're like, oh, sure, 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 sure. You know? Or I just have to drop all my classes this semester because I got to be out for like four weeks while I quarantine myself and get over the COVID. <clears throat> Wouldn't that be the perfect excuse? Like, I feel like every stand-up comedian in the early 2000s before gay marriage was legalized in most places... Um, uh, actually isn't most places, huh? I don't know. I should Google that before I talk about it. But, um, the, the, the hacky sort of stand-up joke that everybody was doing is like, if you were a gay man and you had a partner who wanted to get married and you didn't want to get married, you had the perfect fucking excuse. Oh, honey, I would marry you. It's just that it's illegal. You know, and imagine the disappointment of people who were like, fuck, I have no excuse now. That could be our COVID, dude. That could be our recession. That could be our excuse. You know, when I apply to UCs in the fall and they're like, hey, what happened with this withdrawal in the spring of 2020? I'd be like, oh, you know what? Caught the corona. (laughs) I caught the corona. That's my excuse. And they're like, oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, imagine the pity party I could throw for myself. Dude, imagine... Dude, I'm ma- dude, you know, oh, dude, I'm not alone either. You know how there's like currency and suffering. You know how many people want to cor- catch coronavirus right now, dude? Imagine the fucking sequence of Facebook posts I could make and how much traction they could, they could get. I could just like post selfies of me. Post, I could post selfies of myself in quarantine with the fucking face mask on and the fucking like. I was telling someone about it. I was like, what happens if you get the coronavirus? You know what I'm saying? I mean, I know you have to self-quarantine, but let's say things really escalate and you're like, oh shit, I really have to go to the doctor at this point. You just call the Kaiser nurse and just say, hey, I got the COVID, I'm coming in. And then how do they prepare for you? You know what I'm saying? It was going to be like that scene in E.T. Do you remember at the end of E.T. where the fucking NASA people come and it's like they fucking paper the house and it's like the dudes in the hazmat suits show up? Dude, that's what it would be like. They, like, roll out a carpet for you, a fucking... I don't, dude, I don't know what they do. Take you in the back door or something like that. Ah, here we go. All right, perfect segue. I've been saying at the end of, like, every episode that there's one story I've been wanting to tell that I just never get to. Well, guess what? We're getting to it. So, like, a month ago, I was telling you guys I had this tickle in my throat, and I thought I had throat cancer. 
you know, I was describing, I basically was like, I had this pain kind of in the back of my throat. I didn't know what the fuck it was. And I never felt anything like this, do you know? And, um, it was like every time I swallowed, it was just super painful. And I had no other symptoms of being sick. I had no runny nose. I had no fever, no nothing. And it was getting like increasingly worse. And I remember spending the night at my girlfriend's house one time and waking up in the middle of the night and it was like every time I swallowed, the pain was like radiating in my right ear. And I was like convinced. I was like, oh shit, I have throat cancer. Because I smoked, like I, I, in the last episode I was saying, I was, I was a pack-a-day smoker when I was 15. Do you know what I'm saying? I smoked for, I do that, at worst I was like two and a half packs a day. You know, not for a very long time, maybe for like six months to a year or something like that. But it's like, I smoked a lot of cigarettes in my life. And for like eight years, I was a regular smoker or something like that. I smoked from the time I was like, I mean, in my early teens, I just sort of, you know, smoked every now and then as I could get them. But by the time I was 15, I was a pack a day smoker and I smoked till I was like 22. And then I quit for like eight years. And then I smoked again, like a pack a day for like a year and a half. And now I quit for like almost four years, maybe three, four years. But uh, I was convinced. I was like, oh, this is the beginning of throat cancer. And I remember even doing the podcast and thinking like, well, you better enjoy this while you can because when they remove your fucking voice box, you're not going to be able to do the podcast or you're not going to be able to sing anymore. Do you know? And I was like, oh, how how am I going to navigate my life without a voice? And my girlfriend was like, dude, you just need to call the nurse and go see the doctor. And I'm like a lot of people. I hate going to the doctor. But I finally acquiesced and I called the advice nurse at at Kaiser, which is where I go. And I was describing my symptoms to them and like, Hmm, yeah, that does sound a little concerning. Uh, why don't we do this? We'll have you come in, uh, do us a favor, wear a face mask when you come in, just sort of, you know, protect yourself and others. And, uh, and we'll, we'll have a look at you. And I was like, okay. So I set up an appointment with some doctor, not even my primary care doctor, just some guy. And when I show up, it's in one of their buildings. You know, Kaiser is this huge, like, medical estate, essentially. Emergency room, doctor's offices, all that sort of shit. And the building that my appointment is in is like, uh, it's like physicians, but it's also, part of it is the cancer fucking department of Kaiser. And I literally was walking in like, well, you better get used to this. This is where you're going to be spending a lot of time. And, you know, I don't have a face mask, so I'm like running around downstairs like looking for one. Because they said, oh, you can just get one at the front desk or you can get one at the pharmacy. Everybody was out. And this is before the coronavirus thing. They just happened to be out everywhere. And I finally get one at some nurse's station, like at the end of the, some long-ass hallway or whatever. But I go upstairs, wait for my appointment. I'm sitting there in the waiting room with my face mask. And uh, I finally go back there. They do the blood pressure, take my weight, all that sort of stuff. And uh, as I'm waiting... Uh, for the doctor to come in, my brother calls me. And he's like, hey, man, what are you doing? I was like, oh, I'm in the doctor's office. He's like, oh, you okay? And I was like, yeah, I don't know, man. I'm kind of worried. I got this pain in my throat, and it feels like it's getting worse, and it's like I'm not sick otherwise, and so I'm just, I don't know, man. I'm kind of concerned. And he's like, oh, wow, well, geez, uh, give me a call when you get out and let me know how it goes. Ten minutes later, I'm walking back to my truck, and I call my brother, and I'm like, I'm done. And he's like, how did you finish so quickly? Dude, the doctor comes in, and he says, oh, it looks like you have some uh, symptoms you're concerned about. What's going on? And I was like, yeah, I got this pain in my throat, and it's like, oh, it's just so, it's, it's alarming, because, you know, I smoked for years. It just, I'm, I'm worried this is like the beginning of throat cancer. And he's like, all right, well, he feels under my, you know, he feels my, what is it, your fucking, uh, whatever the fuck, glands? What, what, I don't know what they, you know, they just stick their fucking hands under your neck or whatever, but he's like feeling around or whatever. And he's like, well, let's have a look. And he pulls out this light and he like shines it in my mouth. He, he looks in my mouth for one second. He goes, oh, you have a canker sore. And I was like, dude, I was like Tim Allen from Home Improvement. I was like, oh, oh, a canker sore. Dude, I have fucking chronic canker sores and this has never felt like anything. He's like, here, stand up. Let me, uh, let me, let me, let me show it to you. He has me look in the mirror, and he just, like, I open my mouth, you know, ah. He's like, stick out your tongue. He just shines a light in the back of my mouth, just before the fucking dip. You know, like, if your mouth is a roller coaster, like, right before the fucking pew. I have a fucking canker sore the size of a quarter on the side of my mouth. 
And I was like, I looked in there. I looked in my mouth and I didn't see that. And he goes, oh, well, that's why you come to the doctor. We see everything. And of course, when I looked in my mouth, I didn't see it because, like, you know, the coloration of the canker sore, it just like, it's kind of flesh toned. And if you don't have a light right on it, it just blends in with the rest of your mouth. As soon as I shine the light on it, I realized, oh, fuck. Dude, it looked like someone put a cigarette out in my mouth. And I was like, what's going on with that? I get these, I mean, I get canker sores in my mouth, like, like I am the king of like biting my lip and then it, I just suffer for like two weeks. Do you know what I'm saying? Because you always bite your lip in a place where from now on your your teeth or what your lips are just going to be rubbing up against your fucking teeth all the time and it's just never going to heal. And you also do that sh- that there's like that line in Fight Club, which is like, oh, it's like a cut on the roof of your mouth that would only heal if you could stop flicking it with your tongue. Like I'm that person too. It's like I just constantly fuck with it so it never heals. But but uh, he's like, yeah, nobody really knows. You know, nobody, nobody really knows what causes canker sores. My girlfriend always jokes to me and says I have herpes. <clears throat> she actually made a funny joke. We were talking about it because um, I have, I, as I'm doing this, I have another one like under my tongue. I have another canker sore. And she's like, oh, you have a herpes? And then she was like, oh, I have one too. She had like bit her lip or whatever. So she's like living with the pain. But uh, we were also, we were making, I don't, I don't know, we were like making jokes about preferred pronouns or whatever. Not that we don't endorse them or not that we don't think people should use them, but we were just talking about the humor of asking people, especially in a workplace, of, uh, for their preferred pronouns or how do you do that appropriately. And I was laughing about like, you know, Rastafarians have this thing, like they call it word sound and power, where, you know, they would say things like, and instead of saying they understand, they say they overstand. You know, you don't understand something, you overstand something, you know? It's like their way of, you know, trying to unlock the way the white man fucking controls people with language, you know? So they try to fucking flip the script and instead of saying they understand, they say they overstand. So it's that kind of brilliant thinking, you know what I mean? And I was sort of relating that to like, you know, the fucking um, nomenclature that we're using with all the social, social justice shit now. Like instead of saying history, you say herstory. And my girlfriend made a funny joke where she was like, well, why do we have to call it herpes? You know, why do we have to, why can't we call it his peas? And then I was laughing. I was saying like, well, her peas used to be his peas. You know what I'm saying? Like she caught it from him. Do you know what I'm saying? Do you know, did, did, did you get what I said there? Her peas used to be his peas because she caught it from him. Oh man. Funny stuff, guys. This is the comedy that you come back for. Uh, what the fuck was I talking about? Oh, yeah, I don't know. So I had a canker sore in the back of my mouth and it sucked. And I thought I had cancer. And it turns out I didn't. So, but that's kind of like my life. Do you know what I'm saying? I freak out. I catastrophize. I assume the worst. And then when I finally get around to looking at it, it's nothing at all. You know, we've been talking about perfection a lot, perfectionism a lot on this podcast. I was talking about, dude, this is, dude, I love it when it works out like this. This brings me back to the point I was talking about with my fucking exams. I told you I was freaking out about my exams, right? I had my chemistry exam. I thought I was prepared. I sat down for it and it was like, oh, fuck. The minute I read the first question, I was like, holy shit, I'm getting my ass kicked. I'm going to get my goddamn ass kicked by this exam, do you know what I mean? And it was literally one of these exams that you learn on. Do you know what I mean? Actually, dude, now that I'm talking about this, I think I already talked about this on the other podcast, but it was a hard exam and it turns out I got a 94%. So I got an A. So that's awesome. And then when I sat down for my math exam, like a couple days later, which I felt genuinely unprepared for, I remember sitting down and thinking, well, this is what you get. You're not prepared. You got to sit down. You got to feel the pain. Do you know? And you're going to fail this exam, but it's okay. You're going to pick yourself up, dust yourself off. You're going to learn something from it and keep moving forward. Turns out I got over 100% on the test. You know? I sat down for the test and this homie sat next to me and he's like, hey man, how you feeling? And I was like, I don't know, man. I'm feeling pretty nervous. And he's like, are you going to use an index card? And I was like, huh? And he's like, oh, well, you get, to, you, you get to have an index card for the test. You can write down whatever you can fit on that. And I was like, oh, crap. I didn't know about that. And he's like, well, but if you don't use an index card, you get 10 extra credit points. And I was like, oh, shit. So I didn't. And turns out I got over 100% on the exam. He puts the exam in front of me, and I was like, oh, this is easy. I blow through it, check my answers, caught some mistakes that I made, thankfully. And uh, when he handed the exams back, I got over 100%. 
I got like a couple points off on one question because I missed a, We're doing like trigonometric functions and shit. And I like messed up a couple of those. But because I got 10 extra credit points for not using an index card, I got 102% on the test. So not a problem at all. And then I took this online psych exam that I thought I bombed. I got like 9 out of 12. And that's like a 75%. So I didn't necessarily bomb it. But, you, you know, I want to get A's. Teacher went back, reevaluated everyone's exam, and now I got 11 out of 12. So that's an A. So your boy is getting straight A's, as usual. But I, the point is, is I remember spending two therapy sessions talking about, oh, I need to be harder on myself, and I feel like I'm getting away with shit, and, you know, I'm sort of skating by on talent, but I need to work harder. Meanwhile, I'm doing great. You know? It's like, I think I have throat cancer. I go in the doctor, and he's like, nah, nothing. Nothing at all. You're good. Just go home. And I was like, oh, God, jeez. And I never, dude, I never learn my lesson. You know, I was saying at the end of last semester, it was like, when I didn't have, when I had A's in my other classes, I thought I was getting away with them. But until I heard about chemistry, you know, I was like, oh, if I get an A in chemistry, I'll feel like I earned it. I get an A in chemistry and I immediately explain it away. Like, oh, well, he probably, he probably graded on a curve. You know, I'm still doing the same shit. Instead of just being like, dude, you're doing great. You're doing enough. Not only are you doing enough, you're doing more than enough, man. You're spending your time wisely. You're working your ass off. You're doing great in school. Plus, you're working, man. Wow, that's that's really good. You're doing a lot better than you ever thought you could, man. Congratulations. I still feel like I'm getting away with it. You know? And it's like the minute this math exam is over, we like go on to the next chapter. And dude, I got over 100% on the exam. You know, I clearly understand the information. But the minute we start the next lecture, I swear to God, it feels like the class is being taught in a completely different language right now. We're doing like inverse trigonometric functions and trigonometric equations and shit. And I'm just like, what the fuck? So I don't know. Your boy's going to have to work pretty hard to, uh, to uh, keep moving forward. But I don't know. I probably will. Oh, sorry, I punched the mic. That's why they call me smooth. But yeah, what's going on? Dude, when I sat down, I felt like I had so much to talk about. Now, of course, I'm halfway through and I'm just like, uh. Talked about coronavirus, talked about uh, the Democratic primaries. Um, dude, what else is going on? Um... I don't know. My girlfriend's mom was in town over the weekend. It's actually a fun time. She came in on a Friday and left on a Sunday, but um, I, I don't know if anyone else is like this, but it's like sometimes when your girlfriend's mom is in town, you become like the chaperone. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I'm the one in the relationship with a truck and living out in the Bay Area, like most people don't have cars, you know? My girlfriend doesn't have a vehicle, so it's like my girlfriend will make a bunch of plans and then I'm the chaperone. Like it's just I'm driving everyone everywhere. And she was down here for this kind of like high school, I don't know if it was high school, but it was some kind of like school reunion thing. And they were doing some performance. And, uh, and, uh, so I had to like drive all the way down to San Jose to like pick up her mom at first. And, um, my girlfriend's family is Vietnamese. And so in San Jose, there's a huge Vietnamese population. Do you know what I'm saying? Like we were just, we just saw Ali Wong, who's uh, Chinese, I believe. But um, we saw the comedian Ali Wong in San Francisco. And um, and uh, she was like cracking jokes about the Asian population in the Bay Area. And something about like something about like getting beat up by Vu Tran in San Jose or some shit. I don't remember the joke. But um, anyone who knows San Jose just knows there's a huge, huge Asian population in general. And also a huge Vietnamese population. And they have this Asian like supermarket down there. We've gone there before. They have this huge Asian food court. And, uh, and, uh, you get like all sorts of fruit and stuff. <laughs> and, uh, uh, we were down there. So we had to go to this food court and we had just had a shit ton of Vietnamese food. And, uh, then we ended up, uh, actually we ended up going to this like Asian supermarket across the street to like get some ingredient. My girlfriend and her mom were going to make a bunch of egg rolls or whatever. Um, one of the benefits of, uh, you know, literally, uh, her mom makes so much food. Like her mom will just make like a hundred egg rolls and just like freeze them. And then like every time my girlfriend goes to visit her mom, she'll literally fly back with like a hundred egg rolls frozen in her fucking suitcase or whatever. 
so we'll have plenty of good food for a while. But they were going to make a bunch of egg rolls or whatever. Then we drive up to San Francisco and go to Twin Peaks, which is uh, probably the best view in the city. Um, you drive up Twin Peaks and you just get a beautiful view of the, the entire Bay Area. Did that. Ended up going to this, uh, what's it called? Selby? Is it Selby Park or something? It's a very tiny park that has like these concrete slides that you play on. Dude, anyway, what the, dude, who gives a fuck? Dude, who gives a fuck about this stuff? I don't know why I'm even telling you about this. Like, you give a fuck about my girlfriend's mom visiting. We did see a soccer game, though. We saw the Oakland Roots. Like, my brother's a huge soccer fan. And uh, his team for years has been Manchester City. But he says they're kind of getting effed out now. Like, when my brother supported them, they were like an underdog. Like, nobody fucking knew who they were. Like, people who, like, supported soccer at the time were all about Man United. <clears throat> or Barcelona. Barcelona's always been a big team. And I would run into people who liked soccer. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, my brother's a big soccer fan. And they'd be like, oh, yeah, what's his club? And I'd be like, Manchester City. And they'd be like, why? <laughs> you know? Like, they just were kind of an underdog team to root for. And now they got fucking more money than God. And they're, like, a super popular team to support right now. So my brother's kind of, like, not enjoying supporting them lately. But um, And I guess they got in trouble, right? I don't know if they cheated, but I don't know. They're kind of banned from some performance or some um, competition or whatever. So... Dude, I don't fucking know, man. Dude, why do we even do this podcast? You know what I'm saying? I just tell you about my life. I talk about my brother and my girlfriend. You guys don't give a shit. I did get a text from my friend, though. My buddy Matt, who we talk about. Who, uh, our MVP from 2019. And he was like, hey, man, I can't wait to do the podcast twice a week. And I was like, dude, I, f- I'm, I already feel like I'm running out of things to say. Do you know? Like, I remember when I first started doing this thing, I enjoyed it so much, and I was like, dude, I could do this twice a week. And now, I don't know, man. I told him, I was like, dude, if I did it twice a week, I worried that all I would do is talk about school. You know, I would just talk about my testing and all that stuff. Because that's like the most cons- consistent thing in my life. I mean, I can't talk about work for confidentiality reasons, but it's like, then I would just have to talk about school. And you guys would have to hear me talk about studying all the time. Yeah, that dude. That's why I need coronavirus. You know how much content that would give me, dude. If I had, dude, if I had coronavirus and just started a coronavirus podcast, you know how fucking big it would be. I'd be bigger than This American Life and all that shit. Do you know what I'm saying? Like Vice would do a fucking feature on me, a feature documentary about me, living with coronavirus. Dude, I need that so bad right now. You know how much social currency I'd get out of having fucking coronavirus? Man, I would love the shit out of that. Oh, man. What can I, what can I say, man? Although I was saying, you know, we talk about death and dying a lot on this podcast, and I was thinking, like, what if I did die of coronavirus? Do you know? I mean, I know it sounds super morbid, but... I was in my math class the other day, and this dude walks in, and, you know, I don't want to besmirch anybody, because the truth is I really don't know this guy, but every time I see this dude, I picture him doing, like, one of those incel confession videos, like, there's a, there's, you know, there's a a school shooting or something, and all of a sudden they find the videotape that the shooter left behind before he shot himself, that was, like, him talking about his incel sympathies, and how, you know, women wouldn't sleep with him, etc., etc., Every time I see this dude, he just looks like an incel. Do you know what I'm saying? And I don't know that he is, but as I, he walked into class late one time to sort of blow his past me, and I'm thinking, oh, that's incel. And so I start thinking about like a school shooting, and just like I'm looking around the room thinking like, oh, there was a shooting right now. Like, where would I go? What would I do? But I go back to this place that I always think about, which is the absurdity of the situation. You know, like when a plane goes down, the first 30 seconds is you thinking, holy shit, is this really happening? You know, I've talked about the time I was attacked by a dog, and as it was sprinting at me, my thought was, oh, really? This is what's going on? You know, a school shooting has got to be the same thing. Like, you hear, pop, 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 and you're like, what the fuck? And you're just adjusting to the fact, like, holy shit, is this like a real live fire situation? Like, I was literally sitting with a school counselor the other day, and she had this weird, I don't know, you can picture it sort of like a wall calendar, but it was like this flip kind of three ring kind of thing that was hanging on the wall but it had all these tabs for like different emergencies so in case of this emergency just flip to this tab and it'll show you the emergency procedure and it was everything it was like 
a fucking hazardous chemical, fire, earthquake, um, uh, uh, gunfire, um, uh, fucking toxic chemical kind of thing. And I was like, Jesus Christ, the illusion of safety. Again, dude, it's like that scene in Fight Club where Brad Pitt points out on the thing. He's like, wow, look at all these people. They're uh, water landing at 30,000 feet and look at them all calm as Hindu cows. You know what I'm saying? That's why they have you suck oxygen to fucking calm you down. You embrace death. It's the illusion of safety. You know, everybody now with the coronavirus and their fucking Purell and their hand sanitizer and their face masks. Dude, what I hear everyone saying is the face mask won't protect you from catching it. It's only good if you're sick. The only thing a face mask will do will, will protect other people from you if you're sick. You know, and I guess if you're out in the wild, it's good to have hand sanitizer. But at home, just use soap and water. You know? But again, even if you get coronavirus, you're probably going to live. But the hand sanitizer, the face mask, the three-ring binder flip thing with all the procedures for an emergency situation, these are just like totems of safety. Do you know what I'm saying? They help people feel like they're in control. When the truth is, it's like anything else. When it actually comes down to it, you can fucking throw the rule book out the window, man. You don't know what the fuck is going to happen. Anyway, man. Weird times we're living in. It's always something. Meanwhile, Trump hasn't really been making the news. You know what I'm saying? With the the primaries going on with coronavirus, it's like Trump got kind of pushed off the front page. This is probably where he's doing his most diabolical shit. You know what I'm saying? It's like someone creating a diversionary fire or something like that. Oh, who knows, dude? I've been drumming a lot. I've been listening to a lot of jazz music and drumming, and I like. I've you know I've talked about this before, but it's like I don't have a drum set right now. I just have this practice pad, you know. And I've been working through this book called Stick Control, which is just like a snare drum technique book. You know what I'm saying? So you're just like I don't know. All you need is one pad, but um. In Berkeley, there's a school, there's this jazz school, and apparently they have practice spaces that you can rent out. Because what I've really been itching to do is like find a drum set somewhere where I can practice. And I was looking online for some practice spaces, and uh, I found that they rent them. They have the practice spaces for the student, but like they'll rent them out to the public. And I was so excited. I was like, man, I'm going to start doing that. And so I went out and I got this book called The Art of Bop Drumming by John Riley. And uh, I, I never owned it before. But I do remember working out of it when I was uh, taking drum lessons when I was a kid. And uh, I did a couple jazz lessons. And my teacher would basically like photocopy, photocopy pages for me out of this book. And it's just like one of the standard jazz drumming instructional books. It's called The Art of Bop Drumming by John Riley. And so, you know, I think it's a foregone conclusion that I'm going to get in these practice spaces. So I buy this book and I, I get a pair of smaller sticks because I use like snare drum sticks. But I was like, I needed a you know, some set sticks, some, you know, some that you can get cut up on the hi-hat or whatever and, and not really worry about it. And uh, when I actually call the school to rent a practice space, they're like, oh, actually, one of our buildings is under construction, so we're actually not doing that until the middle of the month. You know, we probably won't be renting out to the public until the middle of the month. And I was like, God damn it. But I'm so stoked on having this book. And, it, dude, it comes with a CD, which is fucking crazy, right? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's phenomenal. It has all these audio examples that you can play along to, which is perfect. But it's a CD, and I'm like, I don't even have a... I mean, in my car, I have a CD player, but if I want to play along at home or whatever, it's like I have nothing to... I, I physically have nothing to play this CD on. So I had to buy a fucking Discman on Amazon for eight ninety nine. And can you believe it? Your boy's sitting at home with this goddamn Discman listening to music, playing along to it. But, um... But, uh, I don't know. I gotta find someone with, like, an external CD drive so I can just rip these files onto my computer or whatever. But, um... But uh, what are we talking about? Jazz drumming? I don't know. I'm doing a shit ton of that. And oh, I, I think I was saying, you know, I have this one practice pad, but it's like, how do you practice jazz drumming without like, I mean, even just doing the basic ride pattern, you got like, a, you need a ride cymbal, you need a bass drum, you need a snare drum, you need a hi-hat. 
And so I literally just, I tilt my fucking snare drum pad and put it at a higher level and treat it like a right cymbal. And I just use my right and left foot with no hi-hat or bass drum. And I just use my knee as a snare drum. I have like a welt on my knee from like practicing and hitting my leg for like hours. Do you know what I'm saying? I literally practiced, I was supposed to see a school counselor on uh, Tuesday or something like that. I was supposed to see one of the transfer counselors who I wasn't able to see. Oh, actually, I'm lying. I had time to go see them, but like I decided not to, you know what I'm saying? I had this weekend where I got all my tests back. I had straight A's and like, you know, I don't have a lot of time to myself. So it was like Tuesday morning. I had nothing to do until work. And I said, I I just want to stay home and practice. I literally practiced for three hours. You know, yesterday I practiced for two. And dude, it is so much fun. It's like the time just goes by. Like I'm looking at the clock now and I'm like, oh, I'll finish this podcast in about, uh, I don't know, maybe like 20 minutes or so. And then, you know, maybe 10 minutes export the audio and whatever. I have more shit to do with it later, but don't have to worry about it now. And I'll still have like an hour and a half to practice before I go to work. And I'm like, yes. It's so much fun to like crack open a book and feel like, oh man, I don't know how to do this. You know, like whether it's, the, you know, it's just the first couple of pages of this jazz book, but it's like very quickly, I'm like, I'm catching on. I'm like playing along with the metronome. I'm playing faster. I feel like, oh shit, I got this. And then you get to like the first page that you're like, oh man, this could be difficult. You got these like comping exercises. And I'm like sight reading them. Do you know what I'm saying? And dude, it is, dude, it is so much fun to see yourself excel at something. You know, and it just feels so foreign than like another part of my life where I was like, Dude, why couldn't I do this when I was younger? You know? I mean, I, I I mean, I feel like a broken record at this point, but it's like, you know, I, I, I just always come back to this idea, like, I wish I had this kind of focus when I was a kid. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I, like I literally have practiced more in the last, like, month and a half, two months than my entire life. Do you know what I'm saying? And it's just like, if I just had this focus... When I was younger, who, I mean, I'd be fucking, who knows how far I'd be in my life right now. Do you know what I'm saying? But there's something about that that is so satisfying. And it kind of, you know, we've talked about perfectionism a lot. We've talked about all that stuff, but for some reason, maybe it's like the political stuff that's going on right now, but I was thinking about, you know, how do conservatives feel right now with the debates going on? You know, everybody that you know is living in a, in a different world. You know, like, I thought Bernie was a fucking shoe-in for the Democratic primaries. I, where the fuck did Biden come from? But then I think, what the fuck do I know? You know, everybody's living in their own fucking echo chamber. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's like, what is a conservative person, what are they seeing on Facebook right now? You know, and I was just picturing some guy on the East Coast or some guy in, like, middle America. And for some reason, I was in, you know, I live alone, so I get in these, like, fucking, like, I talk out loud sometimes, or I have these, like, fake conversations with people that don't exist, and I'm talking with someone about laziness, you know, someone who thinks people on Social Security are just lazy or whatever, but for some reason, I was getting into this idea in my own head, or I was trying to talk through it with this imaginary person of, like, well, what is laziness, you know? Like, even I was just making fun of people who, like, in the recession, like, probably didn't have a lot of hustle in them, and now something comes along, and they're like, oh, shit, well, now I have my excuse, you know, so it's like people want to catch the coronavirus so they don't have to work or they get to stay home from school for a couple of weeks or whatever. But when you really try to unpack it, you think like, well, what is laziness? You know, I mean, of course, people like to chill out and do nothing. But how do you get stuck in that? Do you know what I'm saying? How does that become a way of life? You know, and it's not just because people like doing nothing. Because when you actually do something... It feels so fucking good. Do you know what I'm saying? Like when I sit and do this thing and I, you know, I've talked about my, you know, how I try to change the way I talk to myself. You know, I, I pull to the first page of some jazz thing and I go, oh man, I don't, I don't know how to do this yet. But if you stick with it and you focus and you practice well and you're smart and you're thoughtful about your, your process, you start making progress. Do you know what I mean? And when you do that, it feels so fucking good. It jazzes you up. You want to do more. You know, so when you have these little gains on things that are difficult, it actually propels you forward, you know, and that becomes the fix, do you know? It's like when you have these gains, you, you like look at the next opportunity like a fix, like, oh man, it's hard now, but I want to stick through it so that I get that hit of that feeling of success in the future, do you know? And if you're not doing that, I think it goes back to just like a fear of failure, 
You know, when I'm sitting there in math, and even though I got over 100% on the last exam, the minute it's difficult again, my first thought is, oh shit, well, here it is. Here's the reality check. Here's what you've been waiting for. The gauntlet has officially been fucking thrown. You've been skating by on talent for a while now, but now the real work begins. And guess what, buddy? You just don't have it in you. And it's like, I'm in lecture and I've, I've already given up. You know, I've talked about times where I'm sitting there thinking, jazz drumming is a perfect example. Oh, I don't have this yet, but I just got to stick with it and I'll understand. And sometimes my head is in a completely different space. You know, instead of thinking, oh shit, these trigonometric equations or inverse trigonometric functions are confusing. I guess I just got to sit with this and, and be a little more patient with myself. I think, fuck it. And I feel myself like mentally checking out. You know, like I had a two and a half hour lecture and I, I felt other people feeling the same way in the room, but like I had a two and a half hour math lecture yesterday. It took every fiber of my being not to go home. Do you know what I mean? And like the minute we took a 10 minute break, I was just like standing in the, in the lobby, like listening to some music on my uh, headphones or whatever. Half the class left, you know, cause everybody was like, dude, this is fucking incredibly complicated. And I think half the people were just like, fuck it. You know, I'll just deal with it another time. But dude, that's, dude, that's, that, dude, that's what it is. You know, when I talk about I catastrophize everything, I think it's horrible. And when I finally get around to dealing with it, I realize it's nothing. That's what I'm talking about. You know, we don't experience it this way, but it's like someone who's lazy, you know, they've just disenfranchised themselves, you know? I mean, maybe all they're doing is sitting home and smoking weed and watching Netflix or collecting social security or whatever, but their emotional experience is that person's suffering. You know, that's the devil they know. And, I, and I'm not saying they don't on some level enjoy those things, but they're self-soothing because they're actually in pain. Do you know what I mean? Nobody likes not achieving things. Nobody likes feeling like a loser. And the hard part about being, quote, lazy is wanting to do something different, but not feeling like you have it in you. You know, and not feeling like you have it in you is because you look at the goal, you look at the task at hand, and you feel so woefully deficient that you just fucking steer clear of it. And even though things get worse, and even though there's mounting consequences, you just stick with it because you'd rather live with that pain than the pain of failing at something that you really want. And I'm not saying it's necessarily intuitive. I'm not saying it's the kind of thing that you can just sort of like let be okay. It's, it's, it's hard to be patient with that, especially when it comes to like people that we don't know or care about. or Like when we just look at society, these things have a cost. You know, people's quote laziness. Yeah, it is a toll on the system or whatever. And it is hard when you're engaging in these social debates and someone's trying to, I mean, the hard part is, you know, nobody's going to cop to that. You know, people have all sorts of, complicated narratives for how they justify how they're living you know so someone may be quote lazy and of course at their core at the root of it they may be suffering but it doesn't mean that they have that sort of insight and they can come up with all sorts of reasons and systemic excuses for why they can't or quote can't do something when really we know on some level that they could if they could just sort of reconfigure their wiring or something or get a different perspective so that can be frustrating you know, it can be hard to be sympathetic for somebody who you do believe is capable of more, you know, but they're kind of in a, uh, they're suffering on some level or they're deficient in some way. And so they can't rise to the, the occasion, so to speak. It's hard. You know, there's this big talk, whether it's in therapy or counseling or whatever it is, you know, meeting people where they're at. That's a, that's a tall order for society at large. It's something that we tend to be capable of if we are compassionate or empathic. It's something we can do on a one-to-one basis, but on, on, on a large scale, it's very difficult. And it usually goes in one direction. You know, there's a sort of a patronizing sort of implication there, which is like, oh, you got to meet people where they're at, which is I can condescend to meet someone where they're at. But it's usually on a very select basis. It's people that we think are doing worse than us, you know? If we're sitting across from somebody that we think is our social equal and they just have a different opinion than we do, so a different social stance, it's very hard to meet people where they're at. Like if you're a liberal person living in the Bay Area, if your equal or your social equal is living on the East Coast or Middle America or something and they happen to be a conservative, 
you're not fucking apologetic. I mean, you, you, the, uh, the amount of time you spend trying to understand their perspective or, um, you know, try to understand what could be influencing their perspective or worldview. It's like people have no patience for it. You know what I mean? <clears throat> but it's, it, I think the hardest part is how do you give someone that sort of insight though? You know, how do you give someone the, dude, it's like the most pernicious part of depression. Like a lot of people who exercise on a regular basis, they feel very clearly, very, very tangibly that there's something about their physical activity that's intrinsic to their well-being. You know, when I'm physically active, I feel it all the time. I go, wow, this is really buoying me up. This is giving me a lot of levity. I mean, I feel it now. Dude, it's been months since I've run, since my half marathon in December. And I like ran for a couple weeks after that, and I have not run since. And I haven't fallen into a pit of despair or anything, but I, f- I know there's a difference. Excuse me. Two, <clears throat> jobless. I know there's a difference. And yet, for whatever reason, I can't bring myself to do it right now. I mean, I know I got a lot on my plate or whatever, but it's like... I still think if I could find it in me to just start running again on a regular basis, not even, you know, it doesn't have to be nine miles a day like I was fucking doing before, but it's like, if I could just run for 20 minutes, three or four times a week, I think that would help me a lot. But for whatever reason, I just can't fucking bring myself to do it right now. I'm, I'm already back in that place where it's like, I don't want to go through the hard part of like starting again. Do you know? Like I probably gained like 10 pounds since the half marathon. And I'm like, I don't want to feel myself in my running clothes. I'm already back in that place, despite like running a half marathon and being like in great shape where I was like running like, you know, 10 miles sometimes on a regular basis. I'm already back in that place where I don't want to feel myself being tired at one mile. You know, sometimes you work so hard to get yourself in a place and when you're in it, you're like, yes, I'm here. This is where I wanted to be. I'm never going back. And sure as shit, you look up and you're like back where you didn't want to be. And you're like, how the fuck did this happen? How am I back exactly where I told myself I never wanted to be again? And it happens very fucking quickly. And it's hard to get back. You know, and that's the recipe for laziness right there. I mean, I'm doing incredibly well in a lot of areas of my life right now, no doubt about it. But if we just wanted to look at running... Dude, everything I'm talking about, I I feel like I have that in spades right now. It's hard to get started. Did I mention depression? I think I was. I think I'm talking about this because I was saying something about how like how pernicious depression is. Everybody who exercises know that it's good for them, but when you're depressed, and someone says, "Hey, you know what would make you feel better? Exercise." You can't bring yourself to exercise. You know. I go back to that. You know, I talk about insight and action. A thousand pounds of insight isn't worth one ounce of effort. Most people who are suffering understand what's wrong. You know, somebody who's unemployed, you tell them, hey man, get a job, you'll feel better. Yeah, no, I understand that. But the problem is I'm not motivated to do anything. You know, sometimes the only, you feel like the only capacity you have is to get up and watch Netflix or smoke weed or whatever. You know, you're soothing, you're self-soothing when you're doing those things. You know, that's one of those words that gets bandied around a lot and people roll their eyes at it, but it's a, it's a good word. You're soothing yourself. You know, you're like a cat licking their paw or like, you know, they talk about licking your wounds. You're grooming yourself. You're suffering, man. You're down. You're operating at a limited capacity right now. You're suffering. You know, you may not have it in you. Like, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but there's this, there's this philosophy sometimes that I think, and I think about it generally. I try to extend it to myself sometimes. I try to extend it to other people. It's something I say to people frequently on the crisis lines. And I still don't know if I believe it. But sometimes I feel like it's all I have. And sometimes I want to go all in on this philosophy. And sometimes I think it's bullshit. But you guys let me know what you think. Sometimes I think people are doing the best that they can. And not just that some people are doing the best they can. Try to dig, try to dig the idea that everybody you know is doing the best that they can. Anytime you observe somebody, they're doing their best. Now that sounds 
on the one hand, it sounds nice. It's the kind of thing that people could just sort of mindlessly accept and go, yeah, I like the sound of that. Let's just fucking go with that. But it's also very counterintuitive, right? Because how many times have we thought, oh, I'm not doing my best right now, and we push ourselves and we do more? Well, okay. Well, maybe that's like a phase shift. Do you know what I'm saying? Not that you're not capable of more, but at any one time, at any one point, like, I don't know, for some reason I'm thinking about like physics, like particles, or I don't know, I'm thinking about, isn't there something about like light waves or something that there's, they have a particle quality and a wave-like quality, or subatomic particles, they're particle-like and wave-like, and it really depends on, on when you look at them and what state you look at them, they, like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, but maybe it's something like that. Like, anytime you observe somebody, in that moment, they are doing their best, and yeah, maybe you come in and give them a kick in the butt and you encourage them to do better. And then all of a sudden they have this sort of capacity or wave shift where they can do more. But it's like, what if everyone is doing their best all the time? Like, are you ever frustrated with somebody because you understand, like you're looking at somebody's life and you want them to be doing differently? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, let's say you're a parent and you have a kid who's, quote, lazy. You think of them as lazy. And you want them to be doing something different. You want your kid to be going to school or working more or whatever. And all they want to do is smoke weed and play video games and not move out of the fucking house. And you're thinking, God damn it, I got to kick this kid out and fucking like this. I have a lazy kid or whatever. But what if what if that person is doing the best that they can at that time? Do you know? And sometimes, like, you're shooting at the wrong target. Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't really know where I'm going with all this stuff, but it's like I'm thinking about laziness. I'm thinking about people's capacity. Like, what if everybody's, what if everybody, even horrible people, what if everybody's doing what they're doing for good reasons? And I'm not saying it's okay. I'm not saying the behavior is okay, but everybody's doing what they're doing for good reasons or for legitimate reasons or for real reasons. Do you know, and I'm not saying that what they're reporting their motivations are or what they're reporting why they're doing things for certain reasons are the actual motivating factors, but if the real reasons are always good, you know, like you think about like Jean Valjean or is it Javert? No, Jean Valjean and Les Mis, like he stole a loaf of bread. Well, the guy was starving, you know, and does it make stealing right? No, but what they did what they did for a good reason. You know, the person who's a chronic marijuana smoker or whatever. Well, that person's suffering, and on some level, they're soothing themselves. Now, does it mean that ultimately weed's going to make them happy? No. Could it be actually hurting them in the long run? Yeah. Marijuana is a depressant. You know, a chronic drinker is doing irreparable harm to their own life, but why are they doing it? Nobody wants to suffer in that way. They're doing it because it's their only coping strategy. And for right now, they're doing the best that they can. And it doesn't mean that if they went to treatment and got sober that their life wouldn't be better, but right now they literally can't do it. And just because they may be able to at some point doesn't mean that they're able to do it today. And I don't know why I'm thinking about this, but I'm thinking like... Just because somebody eventually accomplishes something doesn't mean they always had it in them. You know, it's the little gains along the way that make it possible. Do you know? I mean, there's so many people now who, like, they become successful and they look back and they say, like, well, why don't people just do what I did? There's so many wins along the way that made your eventual, eventual success that now when we look on hindsight, it feels inevitable. But it's like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't really know where I'm going with all this, except what if every time you look at somebody in that moment, they're doing the best that they can? And what if we just tried to not just make it okay, because there's things that have to change about the world, and we can't just let people be who they are. Do you know what I'm saying? Because sometimes people, the, someone's best is woefully deficient still when it comes to being a parent or when it comes to being a politician in power or when it comes to being a police officer. You know, I'm, I'm not trying to dismiss the consequences of people doing their best and it's still fucking atrocious. But I'm talking about this idea of like letting go of our feeling of responsibility for them. Do you know what I mean? Like my bro- me and my brother talk about this in terms of traffic. 
I think we talk about it in terms of traffic, but when you get older, you kind of become sick and tired of being the super angry driver where you're yelling at people all the time and you're looking at people like they're stupid and, you know, you feel like everyone's in your way. And I don't know, like if, if you're wired like me and my brother were just super ornery drivers, you know, and part of being adult is trying to get in the Zen space where you just sort of chill the fuck out. Like I opened up for this songwriter, Peter Mulvey, who's a really good guy, really nice guy. He was on like, I, he may still be on Ana DeFranco's label, Righteous Baby Records or whatever. But uh, he and I have been connected on social media ever since I, I played the show with him. And, and he, uh, I remember one time he posted this thing about driving, you know, because he's a touring musician. So he drives all over the country all the time. And he says for the last like 10 years or so, when he's on the highway, he just stays in the right lane and goes 50 miles an hour. No matter where he is, what time it is, no matter what's going on around him, he just fucking sticks to the right lane, the slow lane, and does 50 miles an hour. And it's like he was talking about the benefits that that's had for him over his life. Do you know what I'm saying? Just letting go of the fucking grind of everything else that was going on. Like, I'm one of these people, I fucking get in the left lane and I fucking push it. And I'll drive 90 the whole way if I can. And anytime someone's driving slow in the fast lane, I fucking freak the fuck out. I drive around people. And it's like, that's not sustainable. You know? And I, and I, and I get wanting to get places and I, I get wanting to make progress, but it's like, maybe life would be easier in the long run if you just stuck to the right lane and went 50. You know? And I'm talking about applying that pro applying that approach to life in general you know i'm not saying give up on your dreams or whatever but it's like sometimes people in life they're living life in the fast lane of like they gotta push they gotta grind they gotta do their thing like everybody on social media now is always talking about how hard they're working and how they're on the grind and they're hus- everybody's got a hustle everyone's got a side hustle everyone's doing this everyone's doing that and it's like maybe maybe everyone needs to chill the fuck out you know, and I'm not saying that you take your eye off the prize. I'm not saying you fucking give up on your fucking music career or you give up on this, but it's like, don't live your life like you got the pedal to the fucking metal and anyone who gets in your way is a fucking impediment. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, maybe we should just look at this as a team, you know? And yeah, we want people to change, but everyone's doing the best that they can. You know? I don't know, man. I feel like we're ending in a weird way where I'm talking about everyone just sitting in a circle and fucking passing the acoustic guitar around and singing Kumbaya, but um, I don't know. Maybe I'll have more to think about another time, but what if, what if everybody you know is doing the best that they can? Hmm. Deep stuff, dude. Deep, deep stuff. Yeah, I don't know how we got to me wanting coronavirus to, to that, but uh, I don't know. I'm sure when I go back and listen to this episode, it'll all make sense. But uh, yeah, I don't know. This feels like, feels like a weird one. What do you guys think? Am I losing my mind? Uh, let me know. Shoot me an email at thisismpod at gmail.com. Let me know if I'm losing my goddamn mind. Um, let's wrap it up there. I think we're pretty much at the end here. So uh, let's wrap up episode 25, man. A quarter to 100. We are a quarter of the way to 100 episodes. Time flies, man. We're halfway through the year. I mean, I think, right, I think at this point, uh, we're pretty much at six months of podcasting, right? Until like 52, 54 weeks in a year? Wow. Time flies, man. I've enjoyed it so much. Again, recording this is like one of my favorite parts of the week. And uh, believe it or not, man, we have, uh, you know, we have consistent body of listeners, you know? We have about over 100 people who wait for the podcast every Monday, it looks like. I mean, I don't know if it's the same people. <clears throat> the truth is, I'm not diving too much into the numbers. I'm kind of just trying to do my thing. Do you know what I'm saying? But usually on episode release day, we have over a hundred, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, we have over a uh, over hundred uh, listens on release day, and then uh, we have a few hundred listens over the course of the entire week. So we have people listening regularly, we have people checking out the podcast, um, and that's good. But here's the fucking deal, folks. Dude, we got to make this grow. You know what I'm saying? We got to build this. So I, ha- I don't know if I've said this in a while, but here, I really want you to do this. If you like this podcast, don't do me any fucking favors, by the way. But if you like this podcast, you got to tell someone about it. You got to fucking share the podcast. You got to think of one person in your life who you think would genuinely like this podcast and you send it to them. You say, hey, here's this podcast I really like. I want you to check it out. Send them your favorite episode and say, hey, check this out. This is for me. And because I like you, this is for you too. And uh, let's see if we can't grow this thing. Uh, in the meantime, oh, 
this may not be official at this point, but what I told myself this weekend is I'm going to fucking take all the podcast shit that's on my YouTube right now and I'm going to start my own goddamn podcast channel. Because I, I see the numbers, I see the retention rates. You know, I think we have like 4,000 subscribers on my music, whatever the fuck. And when I put out music, people watch it. When I put out the podcast stuff, people don't watch it. And I'm like, all right, this is just not the audience. You know what I'm saying? So I got to move all that shit over to a new YouTube account. We're going to have an ex- we're gonna have a completely separate podcast YouTube channel for, for this show where all the clips and episodes are going to go up. Because like I said, one day this is going to be a video podcast. Do you know what I mean? And we just need to start building that home over there but in the meantime if you want to connect with the socials for this show you can on twitter and instagram at this is m pod if you want to shoot me an email uh you know maybe you got something you want me to see you want me to comment on uh you want to tell me to go fuck myself you can at this is m pod at gmail and uh stream the playlist of all my original music from 2019 on spotify just check out m the air apparent that's the letter m the H-E-I-R apparent on Spotify and stream the playlist featured on my profile, Gentleman Caller. That's all my original music from 2019. All right, man. Hopefully by this time next week I'll have coronavirus and I'll be able to tell all you good people about it. Uh, In the meantime, thank you for listening. Thank you for your time. Uh, You guys are great. I want to be just like you when I grow up. But until then, ciao for now.